right, I'm privileged today to be able to introduce to you our guest speaker. And uh, it's been a good time. We had a good time yesterday. Uh, we had our uh, we had a men and boys shooting activity yesterday, and uh, Brother Elwell is his name. He came along uh, with us, and we had a we had a great time. Uh, we got some sun, we got some gunpowder therapy, and uh, we got some prizes to give out uh, this evening uh, to two top shots. We have a younger uh, group, our kids group that was out shooting, and then we have our adult group. Uh, we'll be giving out some prizes uh, today uh, this evening. But um, privileged to be able to have Brother Elwell. Uh, preaching for us. Um, I've known Brother Elwell for close to 20 years, I want to say now, and uh, I know him as I introduced uh, to you a month back or so, uh, Mr. Daryl Moore. Um, I came to know Brother Elwell uh, in, through a similar circumstance. We worked together and uh, Brother Elwell has been a mentor and, most importantly, a friend to me for these 20 years or so. If I have biblical questions, if I have philosophical questions, if I have, if I have uh, questions and I need advice with my family and, and uh, other circumstances and situations, this is a man that I go to. Um, Brother Elwell has, was a pastor for 14 years and Morgantown, West Virginia, and then after after sensing God's call uh, to missionary work, well, while he was a pastor, uh, the Lord used him to help start several churches out of their church, and I'd like to function like that. I see that as a scriptural model um, with our church, and you know my heart for church planting. We've started uh, we've started a couple churches. Obviously, we were called from the church in Hawaii and uh, the church that we were starting, and we came here. Um, well, the Lord has used Brother and Mrs. Elwell to start several churches, or over 50-plus churches uh, in the United States and also helping with some overseas. He, was, he worked as a uh, missions director in a capacity of overseeing a certain region of the United States. I forget what region that was, but... Um, but this is a man after God's heart, and uh, he's got a burden to see churches started, and uh, that burden has been transferred to me. I had the opportunity to travel to Alaska, as I've mentioned that in the past. Uh, brother Dave Peach's brother, older brother Joshua, was one of the men that uh, I was with, along with brother Mrs. Elwell. We left northwest Indiana. We went up through Canada into Alaska for about a month we were gone and we visited a few churches there a couple of those through Canada brother Elwell had helped start and um, the Lord had placed on my heart some time ago as we were on staff at a church nearby that uh, he could use us to start churches as well and so uh, the Lord called us and we went to the big island of Hawaii I don't believe that church would have been started uh, had Brother Elwell not been in the picture. Brother Elwell came to Hawaii, and he was there with us for, for a good two months, I want to say. A good two months? Almost two months there. And uh, the uh, streets have seen his feet uh, many times in the startup of, of knocking doors to, to, start, uh, to start churches. 
But uh, he's been in that ministry now for some time. I don't even know how many years since he resigned the church in, in Morgantown and uh, answered the call to start churches in the United States. But I've had the privilege of helping to start six of those 50 plus churches with him. Uh, he and I uh, were able to uh, help get started along with my wife and my family. We started four churches in Arizona together, two in Yuma and then uh, two in the Phoenix uh, Valley area. Uh, we helped start one in Hastings, Michigan together. And then, uh, then he was involved in the one in, on the big island of Hawaii in Hilo when we were there. Um, what I know about faith promise, the scriptural method of, of giving to worldwide evangelism, it comes from the word of God, but, but uh, he was my mentor in communicating that philosophy to me. And, and uh, I have full confidence in turning over this pulpit and letting him preach whatever the Lord has laid on his heart. But it's a privilege for us to have him. And without further uh, chatter here, um, I love this man and I'm thankful for him. And I want to ask that you open your Bibles and let's open our hearts to the Word of God as we come to the most important part of the service now, the preaching of God's Word. Uh, would you let the Lord speak to you uh, this morning? Brother Elwell, would you come? He Now he is based out of, would you, of course, you tell more about your ministry. He is now based out of uh, the Dallas, uh, Texas area, and I'd like for him to present the ministry to us this morning before he speaks. Amen. <clears throat> Let me say this. I love your pastor and his family, and um, they've just been very special to me and my wife through our ministry and getting to work with young men that uh, believe the Word of God and will just accept what God tells them from the Word of God is always an encouragement. My ministry today is and still in starting churches and preaching a lot of Faith Promise Missions conferences. I've been doing that now for the past 20 years, and I just tell folks I'm a missionary to America. Our country is the fifth largest mission field in the world today. You understand that today you're here in church, but for every person that's in this church today, there are four people in our country that are not in church. One in five attend church on any given Sunday in our country today. That would mean that there's if, if all of those people are lost, and we know some of them are saved, obviously, but if they were all lost, that would mean that America has 260 million people today that need to be reached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That would make it the fifth largest mission field in our world today. When we think about that, we have to understand and realize the need of our country is as great as it's ever been. We're farther away from God than we've ever been. And the only thing that's going to get people back in touch is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need churches that will preach that straight and true. Amen. And uh, so we do have prayer cards on the back table as you come in to the uh, auditorium today. There was a table with our display on it. I'd ask if you would to take a prayer card and pray for us, if you will. We're in our 54th church plant in Terrell, Texas. I uh, started a mission board out of Open Door Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas. My pastor's brother, Eric Pittman, tremendous preacher and young man that's doing a great job there. But uh, he fully wanted me to come and work with him 
you know, when I first thought about the Dallas area, I said they certainly don't need any more independent fundamental Baptist churches. But as we got there and saw the growth, Dallas County has grown by 3.5 million people in the last 10 years. That's 350,000 people a year <clears throat> that, are, that are moving in to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And even in the pandemic, it has not slowed down. Everywhere you look, there's growth taking place, houses going up, tracks of houses going up, new subdivisions being built, and uh, just people moving in. And we're not keeping up with getting churches started for the growth population that's coming in. So we ask, if you will, to pray for us, that God would give us first preachers. We need preachers. We could be starting right now two or three other churches if we had preachers. And uh, there is a preacher shortage in America today. Every denomination is going through it. But even as independent Baptists, we have a shortage of preachers in our churches today. So pray for that, if you will. And then, you know, the Lord, that was his prayer request. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into the field. And uh, so please pray about that. And then if you'd pray for my health, I'm getting older. I, my mind still thinks I'm 30. My body tells me I'm not. Amen. But uh, if you'd pray for just health and safety, particularly in traveling, and uh, for my wife as she's home in Texas and tending to the home fires, just pray for us, if you will. We'd appreciate that. And uh, thank you so much, Brother Morasco, for letting me be here with you all today. And um, it's just been a joy to see them. I, I love what God's doing in their lives and in the lives here at this church. Take your Bible, if you will, today. I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Jonah. We all know the story of Jonah. Amen. How many of you believe that Jonah swallowed that whale? Nobody. All right. You got it. How many of you believe Jonah was swallowed by that whale? Amen. I got it right. <clears throat> it's an interesting story, but before the most popular part of the story, of course, is Jonah being swallowed by that whale, and that's what people remember. If you mention the name Jonah, most even people in your neighborhood would say, oh yeah, isn't he the one that got swallowed by the whale? And uh, they know that part of the story. But I want us to look at the circumstances this morning of Jonah, and um, I want to show you and point out some missed opportunities that he had, some great opportunities that he grasped a hold of, and then, again, the missed opportunity that he had at the end. All found here in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, if you're there, would you say amen? I have about half of you there. If you're there, say amen. I might be going deaf, but if you're there, say amen. Gotcha. All right, here we go. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Does anybody know who Amittai was? Neither do I. But he's Jonah's father, amen? But I want you to see that Jonah here is not somebody that came from a long lineage of prophets in the Bible. He is a prophet of God. He's a scriptural writer in the book of Jonah. But what I'm wanting you to see is that he wasn't somebody who, you know, like King David, who was in the lineage of the kings. He was Jonah. 
He was your next door neighbor that knew God. He was a person in your community that knew about God. And God comes to Jonah and gives a call on him. Look at verse 2. In verse 1, it says that Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, verse 2 says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Now, a couple of things I'd like to point out here. God was calling Jonah, the son of Amittai, who we don't know, to the city of Nineveh to cry against it, to witness to them that there is a God. What were the circumstances? It was a wicked city. Let me ask you a question this morning. How righteous is Portage? I saw more taverns and stores and liquor stores as I was driving around it here the last day or so than I've seen churches. I'm asking a question. Is Portage a wicked area? How many of you would think that, well, you know, Portage is a righteous area. I mean, most of us in Portage, we go to church. Most of us in Portage, we follow and do what God wants us to do. Most of us in Portage are righteous, spiritual people. We're good people. Now, you may be good Americans, good citizens. But are most of the people in the Portage area what God wants them to be? Yeah, are you, am I making some sense? So when God came to Jonah and said, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to cry against that city, and he said this because their wickedness has come up before me. What was he asking him to do? He said, Jonah, ha, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell people about me. Because one thing we know is Jonah did know about God. Amen? He knew about God. He knew that God was a righteous God and a loving God. Jonah knew that just as Noah did back in his day. And he said, I want you to go tell the people around you about God, about me. They're in Nineveh. Well, we know the story. Most of us today could probably tell the story. But look at verse 3. The Bible said, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Notice this, from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. How far does Jonah want to get? From God, from God's presence. Well, if you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, you'll see that Jonah first went down to buy that ticket. Then he got on that ship that was going down to Joppa. The storm came. They threw Jonah overboard, and he went down into the sea. And then a whale comes along and swallowed him, and that whale, the Bible says, took him to the bottom of the sea. He was physically as far away from God in his presence in heaven, if you please, that you could get. 
And that's what Jonah wanted. He wanted to get away from the presence of God because God told him to go witness to the persons next to him in Nineveh. He said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to tell people about you. And from that point in his life, he went down. You understand that? He went down. But here's what's interesting. As Jonah was on his downward spiral away from God, and he got to the bottom of the sea, and the whale took him to the bottom of the sea, God was still there. Because we know the story. Jonah cried out to God from the bottom of the sea, from the bottom of the fish, in the bottom of the sea. He cried out to God, and the Bible says, God heard him. You cannot get away from God. You cannot get away from his presence. And what God was asking Jonah to do is no different than what he's asking you and I to do. Go to Portage. Go to Merrillville. Go to Hobart. Go to these places around here and everything and tell people about me. Tell people that there's a God in heaven that's still saving souls and still wants them to go to heaven. As wicked as America is today and as, as sinful as people have become, there's still a God in heaven that's calling out to the deepest part of the sea and said, will somebody please go and tell people about me? That's what he's asking for. Will you go? Or are we going to be like Jonah? Man, it's awful quiet this morning. I wish there were, there is a pen. Pen. Can't hear a drop on the carpet. Why is it that we struggle so much with having a God so great of telling somebody else about him? And let me say this, there's not a person here, myself included, that doesn't struggle with that. But it's what God's asked us to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's nobody that God doesn't want us to witness to. There's nobody that God wouldn't love to save and have in heaven as much as he would love to have you in heaven. And isn't it great that he wants you in heaven? I just have to testify for a minute. I can't understand why God wants me. I can't understand why he loves me. I've looked and searched the Bible and I have accepted the word of God that he loves me. But I sure can't figure out why sometimes. But he does. And he wants to have a relationship with me. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you and fellowship with you like he did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before sin. And once we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and, and we're saved and on our way to heaven, we're saved for eternity. We're going to spend all of eternity in the presence of God because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so he wants us to share him and tell people about him. And so we come to this passage of Scripture, and I want you to notice what happens to Jonah because he refuses to tell somebody about Jesus. We saw in verse 3 that he was trying to go and flee from the presence of God. He wanted to get away from God. But I want you to notice, here's what happens. We go away from God's presence when we don't obey. It's not that God leaves us, but we leave God. And if you please, when we don't tell others about Jesus and we don't care about the things of God, 
we lose the presence of God. We don't lose the person of God if we're saved, but we lose the presence of God. And that's what happened to Jonah. Why? Because he didn't want to go witness. He didn't want to tell anybody else about Jesus. So he lost the presence of God. Notice what secondly happens to him, though. Not only does he lose the presence, but I want you to notice as he was going on his trip and everything, that he had to pay a price. There was a price to pay. Look back at verse 3. It said, But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, went down to Joppa, and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. There's a price to be paid if we don't witness for the Lord. There's blessings if we will witness for Him. My Bible says that they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever. God says there's going to be a, a righteousness and a blessing that comes with telling people about Jesus that a lot of Christians miss out on because they just simply won't hand out a tract. They won't tell somebody about Jesus. My Bible says that we give up wisdom if we don't witness for the Lord. The Bible says that sometimes he that winneth souls is wise in Proverbs 11.30. God gives us wisdom. Wisdom is something that's necessary in the, to navigate the waters of life today. There's so much coming at us with the pandemic and whew, the politics. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to try not to go there. I'm going to try to restrain myself from going there. But our politics is a mess today. Let me say that again. Our politics is a mess today. Doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. It's a mess today. And all I'm saying is, is that, you know, where are you going to turn to for wisdom and strength to navigate the waters of life today? Who are we listening to? If we're not listening to God, we're in trouble. But here's Jonah. He refuses to witness, and he paid the fare. And there's a price to be paid if we do not do what God's asked us to do. But I want you to notice in, in verse 4 of uh, this passage, if you're there, say amen. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. I want you to notice that thirdly we see here that when we go against God and we don't witness for Him, we lose God's protection, His protection. Listen, storms come to everybody. How many can testify? Storms have come in your life, okay? It's not that the storms won't come. But Jonah didn't know how to navigate the storm. Because he was fleeing from the presence of God. Not going to Nineveh and witnessing for the Lord. He lost the direction and the protection of God. I don't know about you, but I, I want to try to be in the center of God's will. Amen? I want to be where he wants me to be. I want to be telling people that he brings into my life. I want to be sharing him with people. I want God to be the director. Amen? 
And that's the problem that we ran into in Jonah. He was fleeing the presence of God. He had a price he had to pay. He was going down into that ship, and he's now in the ship, and the ship runs into a storm, a storm that Jonah wasn't supposed to be in. You understand that? The storm was not God's plan for Jonah. But Jonah was there in that storm because he went away from the presence of God. And so he lost God's protection. But as we know the story, I want you to notice next. Look at verse 5. This is one of the saddest things to me. In verse 5, the Bible says, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah, notice this, but Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. I want you to notice that Jonah became passive about those around him. He could care less about those mariners perishing. Jonah knew God. But those mariners didn't. How many people do you pass by in your daily life that don't know God? That are not saved? Are there people, listen, this pandemic came, and man, it, it, I'm telling you, I don't know if there was anybody any more frustrated than I was about the things that were being decreed by the government. Shut down the church. What? That's not biblical. You don't quarantine everybody because somebody's sick. The person that's sick, according to the Bible, is to quarantine. But you don't shut down the whole society. And so we figured out to open door. I helped the pastor there. I said, let's have a parking lot service. We got a hold of an FM transmitter that would transmit about a mile, two miles away, but everybody in the parking lot could come in and sit in the parking lot in their cars. They could tune to the radio station that we had announced for them. Uh, they're on a, on a chalkboard and everything, and as they tuned into that, they could hear the service sitting in their cars. We took the offering. We went from car to car taking the offering. We took prayer requests, but we stayed social distance. Amen. We had orders out of that in, in the county of Dallas County. Couldn't hold services. Couldn't have more than six people in the building. We're looking and saying, what do you mean? Thank God we have a decent governor in Texas that after about two or three weeks, weeks proclaimed that church was essential. Hey, is church essential for you or is this just a passing by thing for you today? Church is essential. According to Scripture, it's essential. Jesus started the church, a place here on earth where we could gather and Get it away from the world and shut it out a little bit. But now the world's trying to come in and mess with it. Trying to mess with the church. And so we couldn't do that. It didn't make sense to go to people's houses. You know, everybody was so scared. And man, the fear factor had taken place everywhere. And go to somebody's house and knock on their door and say, yeah, I'd like to talk to you about the Lord. And, you know, people weren't even answering doors. But you know what people were doing? They were going to Walmart. You know what people were doing? They were going to Lowe's. They were in and out of stores and places of business like that. 
And you know what? I said, preacher, I said, let's go where the people are. And so I went out, and I started driving up and down the aisles of Walmart, not inside, outside. You understand that? Not inside, but outside, right? In my car with the windows down. Somebody would be getting out of their car or be putting their groceries away in the car and everything, and I'd, I'd roll up alongside them and say, hey, I'd like to give you an invitation to church and talk to you and invite you to come and ask them if they're saved. We had people saved with what I called on-the-way soul winning. Wherever people are at. The Bible said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God didn't just say go knock on doors. And I saw in the Bible, I did a Bible study on, and I saw in the Bible that everybody that began to follow Jesus, from the disciples to the woman at the well, the maniac of Gadara, he didn't go to their houses and knock on their door. I'm not against door knocking. I, I knocked about 2,000 doors this summer, amen? But what I'm saying is that's not the only way we're supposed to witness to people. And you and I run by people every day. We, we stop to get gas. We stop to get a Coca-Cola. Fear not a Starbucks, but maybe. But we, we come in contact with people at our workplaces, our next-door neighbors. Are we telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that's where everybody began to follow Jesus on his way. On his way. And are we taking the opportunities that we do have? And all through the pandemic, I traveled during the pandemic, preached in other churches and every place we went. I told them, I said, you need to go witnessing on the way. You're going to Walmart. You're going to get what you got to get. Keep some tracks. Hand them out to people everywhere you go. Talk to people wherever you go. I was sitting at a... CVS um, pharmacy store. My wife was inside picking up something, and <clears throat> I was sitting out in the car, and I had started this on the way soul winning. And so I was saying, you know, here comes a guy out of CVS. I'm going to give him a track and try to talk to him. He came around on my passenger side of the door. My window was down. He opened my car door and got in and sat down. Looked over at me, said, I think I'm in the wrong car. <laughs> and I said, well, maybe you're in the right car. I got to witness to him, go through the gospel with him, and he said, you know, I, I got saved years ago. But he said, but I haven't been in church. He's now in church. Him and his, his wife and everything, they're coming to church faithfully at open door. But God does things like that for us. He'll put people in your path if you're interested in telling them about him. He'll give you opportunities that you could not believe. And, and Jonah was walking away from all this. He's there on the ship. The shipmen are lost and on their way to hell. And he doesn't do one thing to try to get them saved. Because he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. So there's a price to be paid, but also there's a passiveness that comes. He goes back in the back of the ship, goes to sleep. Ask a question, are you asleep today when it comes to telling people about Jesus? Are you on Jonah's path, going away from the presence of the Lord? Is he real to you? You won't try to make him real to somebody else if he's not real to you. So we see Jonah 
He's become very passive, goes to sleep in the back of the ship. But I want you to notice what else happens. Look at verse 6. If you're there, say amen. He says, so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. I want you to notice that when we don't witness, the lost will perish. The Bible tells us, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, that there's going to be people that we could have witnessed to, and they're going to die and go to hell. And the Bible says their blood will be on our hands. All because we didn't witness to them. The lost will perish if nobody tells them about Jesus. I've been around this world several places throughout the world. And I'm telling you folks, there's no place that there aren't people that need the Lord. And they're right here in this area. There's people that need the Lord. And you can think, well, that's why we have a preacher. Or that's why we got the deacons or the staff. No, no, no. Every person who is saved is supposed to be telling people about Jesus and not fleeing from his presence. And so we see that here's Jonah fleeing from the presence of the Lord, paying a price to go down to Joppa, loses God's protection in his life. He becomes passive in his outreach for people. The lost are going to perish. Then I want you to notice this. Look at verse 8 and 9. In verse 8 of chapter 1, he said, Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? Verse 9, he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. I want you to notice that when we go from the presence of the Lord, we lose our peculiarity. What makes this church different than most of the churches in this area? Is you all have people here that go tell people about Jesus. That's a peculiar thing. But if we don't witness for the Lord, we lose our peculiarity. There's nothing different about us. You understand what I'm saying? God has something special for us. He's given us the knowledge from Scripture, and we've seen it happen time and time again, where people have gotten saved. They've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and their lives changed. I was knocking doors for this new church in Terrell, Texas. It was in July. We had, uh, it was the last of June. We were three weeks in when this happened. I knocked on the door. Nobody came to the door. But I left one of our brochures, and the lady of that house called her son, who's in his 40s and married and has a daughter, has a couple of kids, and but a daughter still at home. And he came by. He lives about five miles outside of the town of Terrell. He came by our church, and he saw the sign. His mom had told him where we were at. And he saw the sign, and the name of the church is Autonomous Baptist Church. 
Autonomous means independent, amen? It's hard to find names in Texas to name churches, trust me. But anyway, he um, he said that when he saw the name of the church, he said God spoke to him and said, this is where you need to go. He had not been in church for years. He said, I spent the last 20 years of my life trying to disprove God. He was special ops in uh, Iraq and um, was just bitter against God. He came to church the first Sunday morning at 10, sat there, and nobody showed up because our service is at 3 o'clock in the afternoon right now. He saw on the door the time of the service. He said, oh, boy. He said, but I, he said the Lord told me, you got to come here. So week four, he came to church. His name is Steve, and Steve was sitting on the second row in the service, and we preached that morning, gave the invitation. I asked, is there anybody here that doesn't know for sure they're going to heaven? Both his hands went up, and he said, I need something. We had the opportunity to take him around into our fellowship area and lead him to the Lord Jesus Christ. He got saved, and I'm telling you, he's been doing Bible studies with us and been soaking up the Word of God. He's got his wife coming to church now. His 14-year-old daughter comes some of the time. <laughs> he's working on her. His mom started coming. The dad, stepdad started coming. Five people in church that hadn't been in church in years because somebody knocked the door and told them about the Lord. God wants to do wonderful things for us. But he doesn't need a Jonah at this point. He needs somebody that will go tell someone about Jesus. And even if it's just on the way, where you work at, when you go to get groceries, when you go to get lumber or something at Walmart, when you go to, where did we get the ammo the other day? Bass Pro Shop. When you go to Bass Pro Shop, hand out tracks to people. Get somebody saved that's on their way to hell now. Jonah, he became very passive. He was peculiar. But then I want you to notice verse 14 and 15. This is this mind-boggling. You there at verse 14? Look at what it says. It says, Wherefore they cried unto the Lord. This is the mariners now and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish. For this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. Look at verse 15. I want you to read it out loud with me. The Bible says, So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. I want you to notice that when we don't witness from the Lord, we become very pathetic to the world. See, when we don't witness for somebody who's lost, we're throwing them under the bus. But have you noticed in our society today how the government and people are throwing the church under the bus? They don't care about churches anymore. Why? Why should they when the church doesn't care about them? The very purpose that Jesus, when he established the church, was to go into all the world and Preach the gospel to every creature. It's not about coming and just sitting in the pews and finding a place of comfort and hearing a good Bible story and hearing some good teaching from the Word of God that enriches you. It's about all of us doing whatever we can 
to bring them in before it's too late. And let me ask you this question. If you're not going to tell people about Jesus, who is? It's a call that God has on everyone that's saved. It's a command that he's placed upon everyone who is saved. We've got too many Jonas that are trying to flee the presence of the Lord. And it brings God's punishment. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I would not have wanted to spend three minutes inside the belly of a whale. Jonah was in there three days and three nights. During that time, yes, God spoke to him. Thank God. Thank God he couldn't get far enough away from God's presence for God to leave him. And God's word came to him a second time, and we know the story. He speared him out on the land, and he made a three days journey to Nineveh, made it in a day. And there was a great revival that took place at Nineveh. I wonder if some of the things in our world that tend to swallow us up do we get swallowed up by the television set? Do we get swallowed up by the internet? Do we get swallowed up because we just plain don't care for other people? I asked a question this morning. When was the last time you were used of God to bring somebody to the gospel? You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Praise God. But when was the last time he used you to bring somebody to him? We look at the scriptures and there's so many passages that tell us about being a witness for the Lord. And it's not difficult. It's not hard. How, how, many, how many people think you can take a, one of the tracks here for the church And just walking through Walmart could hand that to somebody and say, hey, you read this, it'll tell you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. How many of you here think, yes, I could do that if I wanted to, I could do that. Let me see your hand. You, you know, you could do that if you wanted to. There's just about every hand raised. It's not difficult. And there's enough gospel on here for a person to be saved. But we figure, well, I, I can't make the soul winning time at the church. So I guess I just won't go. And there's so many opportunities that all of us have on the way. Just wherever we're at. Wherever we're going. Heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. Nobody looking around, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed.